Hi, this is Bill Arnold. Missed a show or need me talking to help you sleep tonight? I have several solutions to that situation. Here are the podcasts from the show. You are the best for listening and supporting Faith Radio. Welcome to Afternoons with me. I'm Bill Arnold, and today's show is uh, going to be very interesting. My guests are smart, creative, and very thought-provoking, and today's going to be one of those days. We're going to discuss two great men of the faith, Augustine and C.S. Lewis. Now, today, Ken Samples from Reasons.org is going to draw 12 life comparisons between these two men, and the first Monday of the month, Ken usually is available and joins us. Uh, he's a both philosopher and theologian with a passion to really help people understand the reasonableness and relevance of Christianity's truth claims. He's the senior research scholar at Reasons to Believe, and he's the author of several books, including Christianity Cross-Examined, Classic Christian Thinkers, and God Among Sages. And we're going to have a incredibly interesting discussion today, and this is only the kind of discussion you get on Afternoons with Bill Arnold and you're going to get this for half the price for those brand name afternoon shows, which I'm excited about. Ken, welcome. Good to be with you, Bill. Thank yeah. you for having me on. Oh, I always look forward to it. I always learn so much. And I love Augustine and I love C.S. Lewis. So I don't even know where we start. I just want to say, Ken, you're on your own today. Well, thank you for <laughs> letting me talk about the topic like this. I, you know, when I wrote the article, I thought, wow, I could talk. I could talk about this on Bill Arnold's show. <laughs> you can, and the article is available at reasons.org, and uh, it's right up there right now. You can go see it. It's called 12 Life Parallels Between St. Augustine and C.S. Lewis. Yeah, you know, what kind of motivated me to do this, Bill, is uh, because I have a background both in philosophy and theology, and, and of course what comes out of that is apologetics, the defense of the Christian faith, I've always, uh, I'm looking for role models, you know, am I doing this the right way? Of course, the authority in my life as a Christian is the Word of God. Uh, Jesus himself was quite a, a logician. He wasn't just a Lord and Savior, but Jesus could reason and think. But in many ways, I have been attracted to Christian history uh, and two role models. They're, they're not perfect men. They were never, I'll tell you a little bit about their faults today, um, but they are in, in fact kind of my friends and role models to help me to think theologically, to think philosophically. And I can tell you, I think, uh, now this is, a, this is a bold claim, but I think it's possibly correct that St. Augustine is the most famous Christian of the ancient world, and C.S. Lewis may be the most famous Christian of the modern world. Mm -hmm. Of course, they're going to have competition. Uh, you know, Thomas Aquinas, a great uh, Catholic philosopher of the Middle Ages. Uh, C.S. Lewis, of course, is going to have competition with somebody like maybe Billy Graham or Pope John Paul II. But, you know, you could make a case that these are two of the most influential people of their time. And that encourages me that here were two spokespersons and they were both deeply committed to Jesus Christ and 
their writing, their speaking, uh, their lives were attempting to to bring the gospel forward to people like you and me. Mm-hmm. Ken, can we just talk a little bit about each one of them? Just a little bit of a background. of uh, Let's start with Augustine. Yeah, Augustine's dates are 354 to 430. So he lives in late antiquity. Uh, maybe it'll make more sense to think that he lives near the period in which the Roman Empire is coming to a close. As the empire collapses and as the Middle Ages begin, that's the time of St. Augustine. He's born into a Christian family uh, in North Africa. Uh, you know, if you think of if you think of the Roman Empire in the north, you'd have Europe uh, in the south, uh, the Mediterranean Sea there. The south would be uh, North Africa. So he comes out of North Africa. And as I'll talk a little bit later, he walks away from the faith, but then has one of the great conversions. Uh, C.S. Lewis, of course, is born in 1898 and dies in 1963. Uh, in fact, C.S. Lewis died the same day as John F. Kennedy died. Wow. Uh, Lewis was very popular in the States, but nobody knew about his death because of the Kennedy assassination coverage. Uh, by the way, Aldous Huxley, a Eastern philosopher, also died on that same day. So, in fact, it's likely that Lewis and Kennedy died in the same hour, which wow. is really kind of a, you know, an interesting point of history. Well, Lewis was born in Ireland, uh, educated in England, uh, fought in World War I, was wounded. Uh, out of that, he became a teacher, a lecturer at Oxford University. Again, walked away from the faith, the faith that he was taught by his mother. Uh, and then through extraordinary events, had a powerful conversion to Christianity. In fact, there was... Uh, a series of articles that that came out of the uh, Emerging Scholars Network, where they pick 64 of the great Christian books of the centuries, and they voted uh, round by round, and it came down to the final two was Augustine's Confessions and C.S. Lewis's Mere Christianity. The final vote by these scholars was that Augustine's pick was one, Lewis's number two. I mean, that's... Uh, that's an extraordinary thing that you think of all of these great books and um, uh, Lewis and Augustine had two of them in the top 10. Mm -hmm. So I, I would tell you in my own personal life, Bill, that reading the confessions by Augustine, reading mere Christianity by CS Lewis, it in many ways has served to transform my life. Uh, not only to challenge me intellectually and doctrinally and philosophically, but to challenge me to be the most honorable Christian man I can be. Mm, I love that. So these are these are role models, if you will. Mm -hmm. And Ken, uh, Augustine would be dark-skinned? He'd be, be black, wouldn't he? Well, most scholars think, and there isn't complete consensus, most scholars think that he was Berber, which would be a Caucasoid Arab in terms of race. So okay. he would be like your modern Arab. Okay. All right. And we all know C.S. Lewis was uh, white. So, all right. That is a, a very helpful backdrop. Let's, if you would, uh, start talking about the 12 parallels between Augustine and C.S. Lewis. 
Yeah, the first one is a very interesting, I think, and that is that both of them are born in declining empires. Augustine, for example, comes along right as the Roman Empire is starting to collapse. In, in fact, uh, uh, the German tribes that overthrew Rome in 410, uh, they came into North Africa, and Augustine wasn't sure whether they might just burn his library down. So many people at the time, Bill, said, you know, uh, the Roman Empire is really going down. It's collapsing. Maybe the, maybe the Roman gods are angry that the Roman Empire has become Christian. Well, Augustine wrote one of his famous books called The City of God as a response to that, in which he critiqued the Greco-Roman world and said, no, it's not because of the empire's uh, adoption of Christianity. It's because the Roman Empire was built on injustice and it was built on domination. And uh, the chickens are coming home to roost, so to speak. So Augustine is in the declining years of the great Roman Empire, so to speak. Now, C.S. Lewis is also born in uh, the later part of a declining empire. He is part of the United Kingdom. He's born in Ireland. Lots of us think of Lewis in terms of England. He was educated in England. He taught at Oxford University, but he was actually born in Ireland. And uh, many of the ideas that come out in the Chronicles of Narnia, where you have these talking animals and all of these exciting things, kind of came when he was born in Ireland, in this land that is green and beautiful. Well, he uh, is born at a time when the British Empire is starting to decline. I mean, for the first couple centuries before the 20th century, uh, Britain kind of ruled the world. You have all of these dominating colonies. Uh, Britain is a superpower. But at the time of World War I and World War II, the British Empire is going down. Lewis is born in the British Empire in the latter part. So they have that in common. Mm-hmm. And it was said by Michael Hickerson, who is the former associate director of the Emerging Scholars Network, who said, I'm not sure if we as modern Americans appreciate how much of an outsider each of them were in their day. You know, that's exactly right. Um, you know, Augustine is coming out of North Africa. I mean, he he's one of the great two North African Christian leaders. Tertullian would have been a little earlier. So Augustine, uh, you know, has a, a powerful influence in the world. And probably at the time, at, after he had become a Christian, he was probably the most famous Christian in, in the ancient world. And you know what? The same could be said for Lewis. After his conversion, he's on Time magazine. Uh, his Some of his books become bestsellers. Th- there's a time when Lewis may have been the most the most popular Christian in the Western world. Mm-hmm. Ken Samples is my guest. We've got a very interesting discussion today. If you just joined us, we are uh, talking about the uh, 12 uh, differences between uh, Augustine and C.S. Lewis. So if you just joined us, uh, you're going to want to hear all of this. Again, um, Ken Samples is a philosopher and theologian from Reasons uh, to Believe. You can go to reasons.org to learn more about Ken. We'll be right back with our discussion on Augustine 
and C.S. Lewis in just a minute. Sometimes my mouth works faster than my brain. I was right before the break was talking about the 12 life parallels between Augustine and, and C.S. Lewis with Ken Samples, but I probably said the differences, and they're very different men. And what I wanted to say was two different guys, Augustine and C.S. Lewis, and today we're going to talk about the 12 life parallels between the two. And Ken Samples is our guest. He's a philosopher and theologian at reasons.org. And Ken, I, I find this very, very interesting. Let's, uh, uh, the first one was born in declining empires. Let's go to number two. Yeah, a little bit about their family. Both of them, both uh, Augustine and C.S. Lewis, would be, might be called mama's boys. Hmm. They were very close to their mothers. Interestingly enough, very distant from their fathers. They, they came from caring families. But I, I think if we were to use modern language in terms of psychology, we might say they were dysfunctional families. So Augustine's mother is Monica, and Monica becomes a saint in her own right in the Catholic tradition. By the way, here in Los Angeles, we have a city called Santa Monica. That's named after St. Augustine's mother. I did not know that. And C.S. Lewis, of course, his mother, Flora, she was a mathematician. Now, Lewis didn't... uh, get any of the math benefits. Uh, I always find it encouraging that somebody as bright as C.S. Lewis wasn't a, wasn't a math person. Um, but both of them had very close relationships with their mother. Um, in fact, you know, with Augustine, Monica was always the one telling him, you know, stay away from the rough crowd. Uh, because very quickly, Augustine gets tangled into kind of a worldly lifestyle. But before we go there, both of these mothers are very influential. Augustine's mother, Monica, prays for him for decades. In fact, she follows him through his life. He moves uh, out of North Africa. He's born in a little city called Tagaste. He moves to Carthage, which is kind of the big city there in Africa, then to Rome and then to Italy. And Monica's always kind of trailing him, praying for him. In fact, there's a story about Monica. She goes to the bishop and she's crying and weeping about her son has walked away from the faith. And uh, the bishop says to Monica, he's going to come home because not even God can, uh, can, can accept all of this moaning and whining. She was, uh, <laughs> she was like a modern mother, Bill, in the sense that, you know, kids walk away from the faith. Mm-hmm. And these Christian mothers, they care very deeply about their children. Well, uh, Lewis as well, he had a very uh, painful uh, at time in his youth, he was nine years old and his mother died. She contracted kind of a cancer and he saw her kind of wither away. And, and C.S. Lewis said that the ground underneath his feet was never stable after that happened. Now, with both of them, um, Augustine has a distant relationship to his dad. Um, his dad converts right at the end of his life. He's baptized. But uh, Augustine never has a close association with 
uh, Patricius is his name. With Augustine, he has a father, Albert, who is a Christian, uh, well-read in literature, by the way, that um, Albert got so many books for his boys, uh, Warney, the older son, uh, Jack or C.S. Lewis, the younger son. But, but when uh, Flora died, Lewis's mother died, Albert sent his two sons away to boarding schools in England. And uh, Jack Lewis, C.S. Lewis, and Warney thought, our dad doesn't care about us. He's, he's gotten rid of us. And in, in this way, that kind of dysfunctional relationship with the father kind of led to a seed of unbelief. You know, people have doubts for many reasons. Sometimes they're intellectual, but sometimes they're emotional. Sometimes we get to a place where we're not sure we can trust the people we care about most. And that's easy then to make an analogy toward God. If I can't trust my dad, how can I trust my Heavenly Father? Mm-hmm. And Ken, I'm surprised that Lewis had a distant uh, relationship with his dad if his dad was a believer. Well, that's that's exactly right. And, and his dad was in many ways a good man, um, but he was overwhelmed with grief. Mm-hmm. Losing his wife, uh, by the way, C.S. Lewis's family, their business was in the shipbuilding business, and the boat, the ship that was built there in, um, in Ireland at the time, in Belfast, was the Titanic. It's possible Lewis, maybe playing in the neighborhood, would go over to the ship and see the building of the Titanic that would crash and, and uh, go to the bottom of the ocean in its maiden voyage. I just have to make sure I understand what you just said, that the Lewis family was in the shipbuilding business, but it wasn't their company, uh, White Star, that was building that ship, correct? Well, they they early on, there was another Titanic ship that, oh. that had a long career before the, uh, the tragic ship. Okay. But Lewis probably saw the, the ship that we know that, that sank. Yeah, all right. Very interesting that they both had distant relationships from their dad, and yet they had uh, mothers that were very invested, prayed for them, stayed with them, um, but very sad that Lewis lost his mother when he was uh, nine and felt like at nine years old his whole uh, life had felt unstable. Boy, there's something about losing the stability of not reaching adulthood when you lose a parent before you reach adulthood. That's so life-shattering. Yes, absolutely. Now, this, of course, leads to number three. You know, these these young boys grow up into young men, and both of them renounce their faith. Uh, you know, Augustine is, is a sharp kid. He's very bright, but he has his own neighborhood group of individuals, and they get into, they get into trouble. There's a story in the Confessions where Augustine says, you know, some of some of his friends, they went to a farm and stole a bunch of the pears from the trees, not because they were hungry, but because they wanted to do something illicit. Mm. They were excited to do something that was criminal. Now, of course, we think, what's the big deal? They're stealing pears. But when you read this in the Confessions, you realize that Augustine was moving away from you know, these basic principles, the Ten Commandments that was taught to him by his mother, Monica. And Lewis, uh, Lewis as well, his unbelief, it begins with the death of his mother. 
being separated from his father. But when he goes to school in England, uh, one of the men that teaches him, Kirkpatrick, called, Lewis calls him the Great Knock. He was a former Presbyterian who had become an adamant atheist. And so he kind of taught Lewis criticisms of, of God. Now, in many ways, the mind of C.S. Lewis was deeply shaped by Kirkpatrick, but both of them moved away. Uh, both of them didn't want anything to do with Christianity. Uh, and so while both of them were born into homes that were sympathetic to the faith, uh, there is a disconnect. And they both uh, walked away. Augustine later went uh, to Carthage. In fact, it joined what I think today we call a cult. He became a Manichaean, kind of a mixture of Christian, Gnostic, and pagan ideas. Of course, C.S. Lewis became an atheist. <laughs> um, during World War I, uh, you know, he was in the battlefield, and he thought, wow, the world makes no sense to me. There can't be a god with all of these things happening. So they're, again, their life parallels in these, in these three things we've talked about. Ken, isn't it interesting to say that here we've got Augustine and C.S. Lewis, incredible contributors to the Christian faith, who at one point renounced their faith in their youth. How comforting it is, possibly, for many listeners to, to think that their child, who might be uh, wandering right now, might be uh, away from the faith, maybe even renouncing it, and that story's not over. That's exactly right. I, You know, there are many things we can learn from church history, and, and one of them is that as much as things change, they, they remain the same. There are Christian parents who have kids who walk away from the faith, but of course, from a biblical point of view, um, the Holy Spirit is involved. And not only did Augustine and Lewis come back, but I've known many people myself uh, who walked away from the faith. And yet later when they became parents, later when they began to, you know, think about, hey, what's, what's life really all about? They came back. And so I want to encourage people who maybe are experiencing what Monica and, and, and Flora experienced. Mm-hmm. Ken Samples is my guest. We are um, having a very interesting discussion today, the 12 life parallels between St. Augustine and C.S. Lewis, two very brilliant thinkers outside of Scripture who have made incredible contributions to our faith and who, if you've ever read Mere Christianity um, or Confessions by Augustine, you know how deep they think and how powerful those books are. We're going to continue uh, with Ken Samples, my guest today, who is both a philosopher and theologian at Reasons to Believe. You can go to reasons.org to learn more about Ken. But we're going to take a short break, and we're going to continue our discussion of the 12 life parallels between St. Augustine and C.S. Lewis in just a minute.
Welcome to the show. Philosopher and theologian Ken Samples is my guest today. He loves helping people understand the reasonableness and the relevance of Christianity's truth claims. He's the senior research scholar at Reasons to Believe and is the author of several books, including Christianity Cross-Examined, Classic Christian Thinkers, and God Among Sages. And today we're having this great discussion on the 12 life parallels between St. Augustine and C.S. Lewis. And if you're a C.S. Lewis fan or an Augustine fan, you absolutely have to go to the beginning. Don't uh, don't miss any of this. You can go to MyFaithRadio.com, check out the podcast, and hear it from the start, because we're already um, up to uh, number four. Ken, let's talk uh, about the parallels between uh, Augustine and Lewis, and have both of them lived with women outside of marriage. That's exactly right. Uh, C.S. Lewis, uh, excuse me, St. Augustine, it goes to college away from his family, moves to Carthage, kind of the sea town. The Carthaginians had had a war with the Romans in earlier part of the Roman Empire. Well, it's a very uh, permissive place. The Roman Empire was a very permissive place. Uh, their, their, their morals with regard to sex were very loose. It was a male-dominated society. Well, uh, Augustine meets a young woman, and they, you know, set up home together. Uh, they have, they're living together for about a decade. Uh, they are not married, although today we might call it something like a common law marriage. Uh, but they have a child together. Uh, Adiodeus was uh, St. Augustine's son. By the way, later when Augustine becomes a Christian, so does his son. In fact, the, the great, uh, one, one of the great bishops uh, later baptizes uh, both Augustine and his son. But he, he, Augustine lives with a sexual relationship with this woman. Interestingly enough, and, and this may be a, an area of criticism of Augustine, he never mentions this woman's name. I think in many ways, after he left this woman, I think he felt ashamed mm. uh, that he didn't treat her the way you know she deserved to be treated. In many ways, uh, this was his his son's mother, but they had a sexual relationship and and were never married. Now Lewis did as well. Um, Lewis, of course, uh, goes into World War One, but before he does. He meets a friend named Patty Moore, and they both become part of the Somerset military. At the end, Moore and Lewis fight in different companies. But at the time of World War I, uh, you know, there was a lot of fear in Lewis's mind that he may be killed. So he met Patty Moore's mom. Her name was Jane Moore. She was probably 40 years old, maybe 35, 40 years old. Lewis was at the time 19. He found her very attractive. And in many ways, he desired her, not just because she was physically attractive, but he kind of wanted a mother figure. He had lost his mom. Well, most Lewis scholars now believe that Lewis had a sexual relationship with Patty Moore's mom. Now, they made a pact, Patty Moore and C.S. Lewis. They said, look, if one of us is killed, the other one would take care of the, the, the parents. Well, Patty Moore was unfortunately killed. Lewis had probably a half a dozen close friends who were killed in combat. By the way, Bill, uh, Britain lost more men in World War I than it did in World War II. Many people who lived through that said that World War I was even more jolting 
that's hard to believe because mm. maybe 75 million people perished in World War II, but that was the time. So both of them lived with these women unmarried. Uh, this, of course, was prior to them making commitment to Christ. And when that happened, their lives were turned upside down and they became uh, very devoted to living a Christian lifestyle. Um, but both of them had these relationships with women and were not married. Mm-hmm. Uh, imperfect men. Yeah. And when we talk about Patty Moore, I assume that w- would be uh, a nickname for Patrick, which would be a male's name in Ireland. That's right. One of the attractions that brought these two men together right before they went into battle in World War I is that they were both Irish. Mm-hmm. And August, uh, Lewis always a little bit resented that he went to school in England. He always had a, a, a real warm place in his heart for Ireland. Mm-hmm. And Ken, I'm guessing that the mothers, Augustine's mother, Monica, uh, and of course, Lewis's mother is gone, but I bet Monica had something to say about Augustine's situation with this She's woman. Very, this is a woman who has preached to her son for years, you know, to stay away from fornication. Don't be don't allow the this permissive Roman society, you know, to pull you into all of these uh, immoral actions. And mm-hmm. so she's troubled by it. Um, there, there is a uh, situation where Monica wants her son to marry uh, a, a woman who might be in the same kind of cultural sphere, but she's very disappointed by this. And, and again, I think... Uh, I think in some ways Augustine acted rather shamefully in the way he treated this young woman. And, um, uh, you know, that that just again shows you that some people who become extraordinary Christians have, have you know, they have very spotted pasts. Mm-hmm. All right, Ken, let's go to number five. Well, another thing they have in common, Bill, is that both of them are these extraordinary academicians and orators. I mean, Augustine has a a school in Carthage, then a school in Rome, and then a school in Milan. And Milan is kind of the, you know, the real center of the Roman Empire. And essentially what Augustine hoped to become, he wanted to become a spokesperson, an orator, a, a rhetorician for Caesar himself. Uh, he was on the fast track toward that. He was an incredible orator. C.S. Lewis, very similar, uh, taught at two of the most elite schools in the world, first at Oxford, then later at Cambridge. Uh, Lewis was an amazing lecturer. I've known a couple people who were young students, and they remember Lewis. Uh, and of course, during World War II, uh, Lewis was a soldier in World War I. During World War II, he would give talks on the BBC, and he became a celebrity. Uh, the people on television said, wow, this guy knows how to communicate. He's able to talk to people about Christianity, about ethics, about the meaning of life. And of course, the British weren't, they didn't know, are we going to win this war? Or is Hitler going to win this war? You know, from 1939 to 1941, the Germans were winning. And so Lewis would go on and and talk about the faith. So both of them became very influential academic thinkers, and both of them had uh, great rhetorical skill. Mm -hmm. And didn't his 
lectures on the BBC, that, that, that was basically the basis of mere Christianity, wasn't it? Exactly right. Um, He would give these talks. It's interesting, Bill, that during World War II, Lewis would go to the RAF bases and he would talk to, you know, members of the crew. And remember that, you know, uh, people who are flying these planes, the mortality rate was sky high. The, you know, people who are in the Air Force or, uh, or the Army Air Corps in America, the the number of people being shot down and killed was so high. Lewis knew that he'd look into the eyes of these 18, 19 year old kids and talk with them about what is what does what does life really mean? You know, he knew a lot of these people were not coming back. He also realized I can't use my Oxford speak <laughs> to talk to these young people. So he learned to develop and talk to people in the common language. Uh, that's such an important thing. So many of us who are into advanced areas of academic study, you know, we have all this jargon and we're not able to kind of break it down in a way that, you know, the common person can, can pick it up. But what came out of those talks, the uh, basically scripts that he would read from, that became near Christianity, his famous book. Wow. Ken Samples is my guest we're talking about. 12 Life Parallels Between St. Augustine and C.S. Lewis. They both had dramatic conversions, didn't they, Ken? Absolutely. I I think it's arguable that the two of them had two of the most extraordinary conversions. Um, you know, Augustine's gone through a tough time. He, um, you know, he is sought to be the spokesperson for the emperor, um, but he doesn't find any of it fulfilling. Uh, he begins to wonder whether there really is any meaning in life. Um, And he has an extraordinary conversion. He's reading scripture one day, um, and he hears a a child's voice, a sing-song voice, uh, saying in Latin, tole lege, tole lege, take up and read, take up and read. And he's kind of trying to figure out, where is this voice coming from? And is this a child's game? So he immediately falls to his knees and he opens up uh, the book of Romans chapter 13, where Paul says, you know, don't give a place to, you know, your fleshy lifestyle, but put on Christ. And he has a conversion that turns his whole life upside down. Uh, C.S. Lewis is very similar. He had become skeptical. He'd been through World War I. He had become a lecturer in uh, medieval and Renaissance literature at Oxford, uh, but his life was unfulfilled. And both of them would have conversations. Uh, Augustine met Ambrose, who was one of the great bishops, and Ambrose was able to talk with Augustine. Augustine was reading books like Plotinus's Enneads and Athanasius's uh, Life of St. Anthony. C.S. Lewis was reading extraordinary books, Fantasties by George MacDonald, the Everlasting Man by G.K. Chesterton. And Bill, what I want your listeners to appreciate is that when we share our faith, lots of times thoughtful people, they need to hear it not just from individuals, but they need a book that kind of speaks to them and, and challenges them. And both of them, uh, in their early 30s, here's another common experience, in their early 30s, both of them commit themselves Uh, to Jesus Christ. 
Augustine is baptized by Ambrose. C.S. Lewis is a very close friend of uh, J.R.R. Tolkien and the other Inklings, a study group there at Oxford for people who were writing literary uh, books. And Lewis becomes a Christian, um, and their life takes off from there. Mm-hmm. All right, let's talk about how they were both spokespersons for the faith. Yeah, you know, it's uh, pretty exciting that St. Augustine, of course, after his conversion, of course, his mother is just overwhelmed with joy. And Mm. uh, they spend time together. Not long after that, she dies. But um, uh, Augustine becomes a priest, then a bishop there in North Africa, goes back to North Africa. He uh, He has lung problems, probably asthma, and he figures, well, you know, the, the air there, the, the heat is probably better for me in Africa. Well, he becomes um, arguably the most articulate, most popular voice in uh, the ancient Roman Empire for Christianity. Uh, C.S. Lewis, very similarly, um, you know, he has refined his speaking ability I, I talked with John Lennox, who was a mathematician at Oxford, who was just a young lad when he walked into C.S. Lewis's class, and he said Lewis would walk in, and you know, it's cold and rainy, Lewis has an overcoat on, he has a scarf, he has a hat. As soon as Lewis would walk through the door, he starts taking off his hat, his scarf, but he's lecturing the whole time, <laughs> would, would give his presentation, and people are at the, you know, the edge of their seats, and then he'd walk over and start putting his hat back on, his scarf and his his coat, and finish his lecture, and out the door he would go. <laughs> so these these remarkable stories about uh, these amazing people they they both became uh, national spokespersons. Uh, by the way, C.S. Lewis was more popular in America than he was in England. He was on the cover of Time magazine, and as I mentioned, the, the day that he died. Uh, many people didn't know about it for a couple of weeks because of the coverage of JFK's assassination. Mm-hmm. Ken Samples is my guest. We're talking about the 12 life parallels between Augustine and C.S. Lewis. Let's take a short break and we'll be back and finish them up. Lord have to the show. Do you have a favorite Christian writer outside the biblical authors who serves as maybe an encouraging pilgrim in your Christian faith? For Ken Samples, he loves Augustine and C.S. Lewis, and he's got 12 life parallels we're speaking about today uh, between the two of them. And I know we've got a couple more to go, uh, Ken, without a lot of time. So let's uh, go number eight. Yeah, they're both of them are prolific, prominent, diverse authors. Both of them are bookish people. They, uh, they love reading. They love writing books. Augustine writes more words than anybody in the ancient world, Greek, Roman, Jew. He, we may know more about Augustine because he wrote more than anybody else. 
C.S. Lewis wrote 30 books, thousands of letters. In fact, uh, his brother Warney said that Lewis corresponded with anybody and everybody who would write to him who read one of his books. Warney said that he probably typed 10 to 12,000 letters of correspondence, and you can read those. So wow. they're very, very bookish people. That's impressive. They're also, also both authors of literary and Christian classics and the great books of the Western world published by Encyclopedia Britannica, edited by Mortimer Adler. You have, uh, uh, you have Augustine's book on Christian doctrine. You have Lewis's book, The Abolition of Man. So these are books that are considered part of, you know, Western civilization, both, both literary classics as well as Christian classics. So if you're in a great books program, you're going to read Augustine, you're going to read C.S. Lewis. Number 10, Bill, uh, both of them had a, a longing and desire for God. Uh, probably the most popularly quoted passage from St. Augustine is where he says to God in prayer, uh, Lord, you, you have created me and uh i i can't find rest or peace until i rest in you um this idea that we're made for god and uh you know accomplishment in our career will not satisfy us a life of pleasure will not uh, the only thing that's really going to satisfy a person who's made in god's image is to to rest in the gospel in the lord jesus christ Lewis writes very similarly about the argument from desire that, you know, just as we have needs, uh, we're, we're thirsty, there's water, that we're hungry, there's food, so we have the spiritual longing for God. That's a very powerful argument that comes out of Lewis. Number 11, both of them have commonalities in their apologetic writings, Bill, in their defense of the faith. Both of them write about the problem of pain, the problem of suffering and evil. You know, Augustine says that evil is not a thing that God created. Evil is like an absence. Uh, it's, it's like the absence of enamel in your tooth. Uh, there's the absence of goodness. Well, uh, C.S. Lewis, of course, writes the book, The Problem of Pain, where he argues that uh, only the Christian faith can really give an answer to this problem. And then later, when he marries, uh, Lewis marries late in life, a woman named Joy Davidman, she gets cancer and dies. And a grief observed is kind of Lewis's own uh, grief. Uh, very, very powerful uh, book. And then number 12, uh, and I think this is, this is such an important point, Bill, both of them become what I would call universal Christian voices. I mean, that's very rare. Uh, now, Augustine is very popular in Western Christendom. Um, I would argue that probably Augustine has influenced Protestants nearly as much as he has Catholics. He's kind of the bridge between Catholics and Protestants. Not as popular in the Eastern world where you have Eastern Orthodoxy. With C.S. Lewis, um, Justin Brierley, who is the, one of the co-hosts for the C.S. Lewis podcast, he said recently that he heard that a half a billion copies of Lewis's books are in print. A half a billion. Wow. Now, of course, if you look at the Chronicles of Narnia, it sold over 100 million copies. 
I argue, Bill, and I think I can make a powerful case for it, that if Lewis and Tolkien were alive today, they'd both be billionaires. So these are two men that speak to Christians. In fact, if you go on Amazon right now and look up the Confessions, it's a bestseller. It's, it's 1,600 years, and it remains right at the top of the list. Uh, Lewis's books sell more now than they did during his lifetime. So these are, these are remarkable men. They are fallen men. They are broken men. They are men who know the Lord Jesus Christ, and Christ transforms their lives. And I have to tell you, after studying them for 40 years, I've learned so much about uh, philosophy, about theology, about the defense of the faith, and I've learned a lot about how to live my Christian life, uh, how to recognize that I need co the constant grace of God in my life. So I thought when I wrote this article, boy, this would be great to talk to Bill Arnold about. Hmm. Ken, talk about uh, following a mentor or having people like Augustine and Lewis on your faith journey alongside you? Yeah, you know, I grew up as a kind of a nominal Catholic, but I remember a Catholic priest saying, you know, find a saint who appeals to you and then, you know, kind of follow them as a model throughout your life. Well, you know, Protestants aren't always comfortable with everything that Catholics say about the saints. But, you know, in many ways, I have, I have done that um, because I live and teach in the world of academics, because I'm involved in apologetics, because I debate and do all of these things, I have looked for role models. I've looked for people who could keep me grounded, who would teach me the critical uh, ideas of the faith. And uh, I think that this can be so influential. And so uh, what Augustine and Lewis have done, they always point me back to the scriptures. They always point me back to Jesus Christ. They always point me back to God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And so in some ways, I've followed that priest's advice. They have become mentors. Uh, they have become friends and uh, models for me. Mm -hmm. And Ken, you would say that con the Confessions is a, a story of conversion, isn't it? Absolutely. And you know what's remarkable about it, Bill? Uh, when you read it, and I've heard thousands of people say this, when you read it, you think you think that Augustine's talking about your life. Wow. And I think that's exactly what he was doing. He wasn't just writing about his own conversion. He was writing about the human sin of, of human beings and how we become clean, how we become saved and redeemed in the person of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And Ken, what would you say your favorite C.S. Lewis book is, if you have one? You may well, not have it, one. Has to, it has to be Mere Christianity. Okay. That was the book that I read as a teenager and, and in many ways led me to faith. Mm -hmm. And I've heard other people refer to Augustine as Augustine. Is that okay to pronounce it that way as well? Well, I think it's more important to know about him and his <laughs> ideas than how to pronounce his name, but I, I would always say it's Augustine. Okay. That's kind of the way I've always pronounced it too, but I, I've heard Augustine as well, and I didn't know if that's, that's right. If yeah. there was another another way of doing it. So your uh, decades of studying Augustine and Lewis, uh, do you have a parting thought with us today? Yeah, I think that both of them teach me, Bill, that um, human beings, and I'm I'm one of those human beings. We're all broken. 
whatever you know, family problems, issues, all of us are broken people. But there's this remarkable thing. It's called the grace of God. You can't earn it. There's nothing you can do to, uh, to earn it uh, or to deserve it, but it's given you freely in the message about Jesus as the Son of God whose life, death, and resurrection can make you right with God. Mm-hmm. Ken, when you sent us this uh, discussion topic, I was instantly on board because I like Augustine and I love C.S. Lewis, and I thought, I cannot wait to see what's going to come out of your head on these two. Well, I, I, I have to say, I was, I was talking with a lady here at the office at RTB, and I was thinking, well, where could I talk about this topic? <laughs> Perfect. What a great fit. Ken, thank you so much for being with uh, us today, and I so appreciate you and, and the study you've done on this and what you've shared with us. It's been fascinating. I've just loved it. My pleasure, Bill. All right. Thank you so much. Ken Samples has been my guest. If you want to learn more about Ken, you can go to reasons.org, and it's also the article is up there as well. That is our show for today. Thank you so much for being with me and spending the time uh, together. I look forward to uh, tomorrow already. And I'm hoping that you have a great night as you lay your head on the pillow and know that God's working out his great plan in your life. He loves you. I love you. Rosie loves you. We all love you here at Faith Radio. We will uh, see you tomorrow. Have a great night. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.